unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And thanks again for hitting that play button. Welcome to the show. Coming up on this edition of the JAS Podcast, one of my stable sports guys, Jay Cresswell. We're going to talk about things in the sports headlines as we head down the home stretch of the year that is 2020. Jay standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. And some of these topics I will talk about with Jay, but uh, college football playoff. So we have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Tell me, were you surprised? <laughs> the only reason you could not have picked this at the start of the season was because the Big Ten wasn't going to play. Again, this is just another... I'm going to just only call it the College Football Invitational from now on. Sad news from the National Football League. Kevin Green, former All-Pro Hall of Famer with the LA Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers, passing away at the age of 58 when he retired 160 career sacks. And he's one of those guys, if you wanted to define the word badass on a football field, (laughs) Kevin Green would fit that bill, but... Equally, a good guy, nice guy, off of the field as well. And uh, how about this story uh, from a high school football in Texas state championship? So post high, they were playing uh, Shiner High School, and uh, Doug Brooks was playing defensive tackle. He forced a quarterback uh, fumble from the post quarterback, he picked it up, had an easy touchdown in front of him, but right before he crosses the goal line, he hands the ball off to his teammate, fellow defensive lineman, Max Machicek, and let him get the score. <laughs> hey, that's kind of cool. You think about that at the high school level. Uh, love seeing stories like that. Uh, definitely something that makes you feel good. All right, we head to the state of Texas, ironically, to talk to one of my stable sports guys, my longtime friend, former radio colleague. He's the program director at uh, K-Love 98.7 in Dallas, Texas. Once again, we welcome Jay Cresswell to the show. Jay, thanks again for being on. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go through some of the things in the in the sports headlines, and I'll start first with the college football playoff. And um, <laughs> so we have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we, all we have to do is ask ESPN what they'd like, and that's what happens. Yeah, um, it is just so crazy, you know, because Ohio State gets in by playing only six games. I know. You know the, big, the Big Ten wasn't going to play. And uh, again, this just goes to show you that the college football play, I'm I'm just going to start calling them the college football invitational committee. That's Um, what it is. Yeah, is, you know, they have they have settled on just promoting the the big brand names of the sport and the heck with everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, of course, have been hearing nonstop about Texas A&M getting, quote, screwed in favor of Notre Dame. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but you know what? Notre Dame brings in the TV revenue and has their own TV network, basically. And you know what? They're choosing 
the, the most popular teams, regardless of the situation. And I guess that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. And that is uh, for sure. You know, And then, you know, you look at the group of five teams, you know, they have, you know, UCF had the best chance to break the ceiling and they couldn't do yep. it. Yep. Cincinnati goes undefeated. You know, they've been jumped by at one time a two loss Iowa State team. Now a three loss Florida team. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and they beat a pretty good Tulsa team in their championship game. So it's just just crazy to me. Um, why they can't, uh, why they cannot give the group of five any more thing other than the money aspect. I know. I, I, you know what, who are we kidding at this point? That's what it comes down to. And that's what they're going to do. And unless the situation changes, uh, with how they select the teams, just get used to it. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, the BCS was all about, you know, two teams and now the college football invitational has basically turned it into a one open slot because you know who the three other teams are already going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, it'd be nice if they would expand. I think they would just add more power fives to the equation, but uh, it would be nice if they would expand and think about that. But uh, so the college football, you know, in the recent years, we've said there's too many bowl games. I don't think they're going to be saying that question this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that there's a pool and weed eater bowl this year. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long that one's been gone, but I don't think so. And you see even more teams opting out of going to bowl games now due to COVID considerations. The Rose Bowl is moving here to Arlington at AT&T Stadium. I, in fact, I don't know how many bowl games there are this year. I think there's 27 at this point, which would be enough. I think 14 or 15 have a closed shop yes. on, on this situation. And now here's the thing that, that, that gets me now uh, is that uh, because, you know, teams are opting out, bowl games are being canceled. The matchups now are getting a little bit ludicrous because, you know, we have a, a two win South Carolina team, a three win Mississippi State team going to bowl games. Yeah. How many under 500 teams are there? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And then and then you look at a nine and two army team that can't get in. And here's what gets me is, you know, they've asked everybody to be flexible. You know, the schools to be flexible on scheduling, the fans to be flexible. But why can't the bowls be flexible? I know. Give us good matchups and say, you know what, let's set aside our conference affiliations and put the best games out there. You know, um, we talk about it. The NCAA may be worse than the IOC when it comes to doing things and getting them done or not done. And at some point, I don't know what has to happen. As long as, long as money talks, the NCAA and the bowl committees are going to just keep doing what they want to do. Yeah, it is. It is outrageous. So uh, we will see how it plays out, you know. I have often said there are too many bowl games, but, you know, I do end up watching every one of them because it's football. <laughs> you and me it's, both. It's football for two weeks, right? So what are you going to do? How can you lose? <laughs> yes. So hopefully we get enough games to get us through the holidays and uh, and keep our enjoyment level up. Um, sad news today. Uh, former uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler and Los Angeles Ram Kevin Green passing away today. Um, I saw that. Man, I – and you'll note – I know it's early uh, – no talk about what happened or why or how. Um, and I understand that that's something that is left up to the medical scientists, but 58? Mm. I, I mean, I, I swear I just saw him on television, you know, a month or so ago wearing his Hall of Fame jacket. I know that's been four years, but man, 58 years old, it's just sad. 
And unfortunately, you know, the big question now is what happened? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kevin Green, the football player. Now, I, I said this before you came on. I think if you wanted to look up uh, a definition of badass on the football field, yeah. <laughs> he was it. 160 career sacks. Yeah, he was. And when he played for uh, the Steelers, uh, Greg Lloyd was on the other side. And between the two of them, uh, you know, like you said, he was a badass. So, so was Lloyd. And that was where the, the, the Blitzburg thing came from. And mostly it was Kevin Green. And I know he moved on to Carolina after that and continued for another year or two. But uh, just really sad to see that. It took him a long time to get into the Hall of Fame and he finally got in. And sadly, he hasn't had all that much time to enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that, that certainly should not have taken as long as it did for him to be in the hall. And, uh, you know, the other thing I, when I think about Kevin green is being, you could probably put him like in the top five all time of guys with the biggest motor. Absolutely. Just would not stop. Um, you know, and, and you know, in the old days, they would say that that guy's on something. Well, I, he was just on emotion is what he was on. And he never, ever, ever stopped. Yeah, no question about it. And of course, you know, you brought up, you you were talking about the Hall of Fame and, you know, Kevin Green waiting such a long time. Does Drew Pearson finally get in this year? I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, he's on that the veterans list and and yep. God almighty, they got to They got to get the, the they got to get the guy in, <laughs> especially after torturing him, uh, you know, a year or two ago. Uh, look, he's the only guy on the all 70s team that's not in the Hall of Fame. And and I know that that this shouldn't matter. But he's also one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet. And so you combine that with a guy who is as skilled as he is and is universally loved. And especially uh, when he did his little speech at the NFL draft in Philly a couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, that was just that was just great. Andrew Pearson. And I, I, I'm sure he's going to get in, but I don't want to jinx it for him. I really think it's going to happen this time. Yeah, and of course you can speak to this because you cross paths with, with Drew professionally, and yeah. uh, um, you know, and, and again, you speak to what kind of a great guy that he is. He um, back in the day, he did the post game show and the pre game show for us when we carried the Cowboys games on K Love, and man, he was not only as sharp as can be, but he was as nice as can be, and no matter who you were dealing with, he was the nice guy in the room, just a class human being. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always uh, say that my favorite all-time Cowboys are 1A Roger Staubach and 1B Drew Pearson. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't pick two better guys. Yeah, no no question about that. Hey, speaking of the Cowboys, uh, hey, they got a two-game winning streak. What is going on there? <laughs> Not only that, they're what, a game out of first place? <laughs> yes, amazingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was Andy Dalton they were talking to after the game yesterday, but... Uh, you know, they said, well, we're on this winning streak. We're going to salvage the season. And he said, playoffs, we could win the division. <laughs> and who who would have thought of that? And, you know, you can make fun of the record all you want. But in the NFC least, um, six and ten might win the division. Seven and nine could win the division. And who knows what will happen in the first round? I think the NFC is not as heavily loaded as the AFC is this year. And there is a good possibility of that NFC East team champion uh, maybe making a first round upset. Cowboys could easily be that team the way they're playing now. 
Yeah, no, they seem to have uh, kind of gotten things at least more in a, in a positive direction. What what now it kind of makes me curious, you know, when that story came out uh, earlier in the season that uh, players were quitting on the team. I think we've seen evidence, one, they, they haven't quit, or two, you know, those players that they jettisoned and traded and whatnot, maybe they were the ones who quit. Yeah, I, I you know what? I heard all those rumblings, too. In fact, you and I talked about it on this podcast. Um the other thing was that maybe the players didn't quite get the defensive scheme yet, and it took a while. And, you know, when you're with the Dallas Cowboys, halfway through the coach's first season, people are looking to chop his head off. I mean, the teams that continually and consistently win in the NFL, New England, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, New Orleans, Kansas City, guess what they have? Continuity. They have continuity in the front office. They have continuity with the head coach and the coaching staff and many of the players. You got to be patient. You can't be hollering for the coach's head, you know, six games into this season just because you look bad. And by the way, you're uh, excellent quarterback, broke and dislocated his ankle. Your whole offensive line fell apart due to injuries. And they were learning a new defensive scheme. Just be patient. Yeah. No, it's a miracle to me that they've won five games. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And so especially seeing how they got dominated by uh, Arizona. I know Arizona is a better team than they have been in the past, but just seeing how Washington blew them out. Um, now suddenly they're on a winning streak and they have five wins and who knows what may happen. Yeah. And I think Washington, you know, the longer Haskins plays, that becomes an iffy situation for them. <laughs> Agreed. Um not sold on him at all. I, I was happy to see Alex Smith back in there. And Haskins, uh, although he has the talent, I'm not sure he can execute. Yeah, um, I think. It, it, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Jeff. But yeah, yeah I just I think, think that I think, he's, yeah, he's I, think he, I, I think he's lacking the, I think he's another RG3. <laughs> just good way, good way of putting it. And we all know that's who Daniel Snyder likes. So that's why he was drafted. Yeah, no question about that. So so let's get back to your Pittsburgh Steelers. They were the last team to uh, to lose a game this season. But, uh, you know, it's 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 almost shocking it didn't happen before that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and they have and they haven't been playing that well. Um, certainly they have abandoned the running game or, you know, maybe because of the execution or whatever. What's going on in uh, in the Steel City? Well, I'll tell you, I uh, vacillate. There's a good word for you between <laughs> saying, hey, whatever happens, happens and getting very upset. And, you know, when you're 11 and two and the number two seed in the AFC, you should be happy regardless of how you got there. It's like Parcells always used to say, your record is what the record says, mm-hmm. you know, and they're 11 and two. They have not played well in three or four weeks. They barely beat the Cowboys. They barely beat the Ravens who had 28 able players and eight guys who'd never played before. Um, you know, Washington lit them up and then Buffalo showed what a true power they are. The, the Steelers do need to find some semblance of a running game. James Connors, you know, he's uh, questionable for tonight's game, which I mean, I think it means he's going to play. Um, but Benny Snell has also proven that he's, you know, he, he, he can't get around the end, and they don't have the speed to do that, and the linemen aren't moving people out of the way. So when Ben is only throwing, you know, five, six-yard passes and getting rid of the ball in 2.8 seconds, um, all you got to do is pack the box, stop the short pass, and then they can't run. They need to stretch the field a little bit. 
I watched the game last night. I see Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, I'm still not sold on, um, throwing intermediate 15 and 20 yard bullets down the field to wide open receivers. And I say to myself, why can't we do that? Yeah, I don't exactly. think it's his arm. Mm -hmm. I, I think it may be an accuracy thing because he has basically a new arm. And, uh, you know, the receivers have had the drops for three weeks, so that has got to stop. And they at least need to soften up the secondary so that they can run the ball. Yeah, and uh, you look at the fact that, you know, the one thing that Cleveland has is a running game. So yep, two, two guys, especially, who just don't stop and don't fumble either. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely. And when you're and when your quarterback is uh, uh, throwing the rock fifty times a game, how often does a team win when that happens? <laughs> I know exactly. And you know, everyone has assumed that they'll get back on the winning track tonight playing the Bengals. Uh, but those of us who grew up watching the team, even though it was in the glory years of the seventies, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And so, if you go into it pessimistically. Then if you win, it's a great surprise and you're very happy. And if you lose, you say, see, I knew it. And that is a very Pittsburgh attitude. And it doesn't matter the record. It's a division game. <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah. an AFC North game. And I don't care who the Bengals quarterback is. Um, Mixon's not playing. You know, we've probably seen the last of A.J. Green. Uh, but you never know. You know, it's Monday night football. Ben always wins in Ohio. The Steelers usually win on Monday night. We shall see. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, you look at the, at the AFC, you know, you got a team uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that has only lost two games. But you look at the, the teams that are around them in contention. You talked about Buffalo. You talk, you, you know, Kansas City is a defending champ and they don't look like they, they're missing a beat. Uh, what, what a stacked conference that is. Well, and then you throw in Tennessee and you throw in the Colts and, you know, I'm not going to throw in the Raiders. Uh, but maybe Baltimore's on the rise there, too. Miami's playing well. The whole conference is stacked. And I think it just shows you that on any, I hate to say something so trite, any given Sunday, any team can win. I mean, the Jets won yesterday, so that proves it. Yeah. So let me ask you, have you had a chance to see the golf swing of one Charlie Woods? <laughs> I sure have. I can't tell you how many times I watched that video over the weekend. Now, how old is he? I Eleven. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, look at his coach, you know. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, he's 11. I'm sure he probably takes it seriously as an 11-year-old can. But he's just having fun with his dad. And uh, I step aside, man. <laughs> you know, as, lo as long as he maintains his interest, and I don't know why he wouldn't, especially when you're that good at that age, just look out. He's the next, he's the next big thing. Yeah, and you you know, and it's so amazing too when you look at him. You know, this little kid swings such a long golf club. <laughs> I know, and, and you know that's that's what apparently makes the difference in especially getting length on the drives. But he's accurate too. That's the other thing. You know, usually when you know when you're younger and immature, you just try to kill the ball and hit it as far as you can because it feels good. But you know, he can put it where he wants to at that age. Just amazing. Yeah, there should be some sort of law that an 11 year old can't be better than an adult. <laughs> I know. Well, it was like when we had the great invitational with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and those guys. And, you know, it was the most fun I ever had watching golf on television. But it was because you saw these pro athletes like Tom Brady 
make awful shots like you would make or I would make when we go out on the course and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Now there's an 11 year old kid who can kick our butts. Yeah. It's yeah. That's just, that's just not right. uh, (laughs) So, you know, 2020 has obviously been the the most uh, odd year that, uh, that we've ever seen uh, living on this planet. Is there anything that stands out to you that would be, you would consider the best thing in sports in 2020? Uh, you know, as a glass half empty guy, um, I, I find the fact that they pulled off an NHL, an NBA, and an MLB season as screwed up as they were and made it happen. And knock on whatever this is, I guess there's 33 games left in the NFL season before tonight. And uh, we haven't had to go to week 18. Um, we we're not talking about bubbles for the playoffs yet. Uh, I think the fact that sports has at least given us something to do or watch or bet on or, you know, fantasy football, uh, I think that has been the great savior for anyone who's a sports fan. It implies some sort of normalcy, despite the fact that there's nobody or virtually nobody in the stands. But to just turn on the game and, you know, listen to, uh, you know, Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo call a game. Uh, and predict the plays as usual. It just makes you almost forget about what 2020 has been like. And hopefully, you know, we got the news about the NHL. They're going to go to training camp on the 3rd. Season starts on the 13th. The NBA starting up in a week. Um, Let's get going. Let's get next year rolling. And hopefully before we know it, some sort of normalcy will return. Yeah. And it is an interesting that, you know, the NBA is actually starting at Christmas when everybody thinks it actually starts anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It it is. It's the first everyone knows on Christmas Day. They watch whoever the defending champ is on on uh, on ESPN or ABC or or maybe TNT now. Um, And that's, you know, LeBron's on. It's Christmas. Well, he is on Christmas again this year. He's playing the Mavericks. Um, and why not start the season then? You know, and I have a question for you. How do you think the reaction is going to be for Toronto playing in Tampa Bay? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be a big zilch. <laughs> I can't think of a city that cares less about the NBA uh, than probably Tampa Bay. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And, you know, because obviously this is a football state, first yep. and foremost, and, you know, the. Uh, you know, certainly the the Lightning are going to be the team that uh, the commands attention in this area, uh, and the Magic are just down the road. So, yep. Yep. you know, and and why and why would they have interest for a team that are only going to be borrowing? It's not like the Blue Jays going to Buffalo, right? You know, and they get a taste of Major League, you know, baseball, yep. right? Right. I you know, I, I think it's cool that they brought their banner with them and hung it up there at at Emily, but. You know, I, again, I'm sure they're searching for some sort of normalcy, too, and whatever the next season will bring, because I don't see that being a big success in Tampa. Yeah, but at least uh, the, the Raptors will get their games in, which I which is, yes. probably, you know, and it's probably a good thing there's there's fans restrictions because they're not going to know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. I was just before we started here, I was watching NHL tonight and, you know, the training camps are starting on the third uh, for teams that didn't make the playoffs, they're starting on the 30th. And they said six of the seven Canadian cities have okayed their teams to start training camp at home in their buildings. And the one that did not, and this surprised me, is Montreal. Hmm. 
I don't know, something needs to be hashed out with the city of Montreal or the Quebec government there. Uh, but that's an oddity. Everyone thought it would be Vancouver. Um, but they're okay to practice at home. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. Maybe, you know, that might throw a giant monkey wrench into the plans to have a 56-game season and get started on the third. Hmm. All right, so uh, give me an update on the radio business. Uh, is uh, everything still uh, pretty much everybody working remotely still? Yep. Uh, just personally, uh, my morning show is in the building, um, and that's it. Uh, of course, they're off for the next couple of weeks on vacation. But my midday show, my afternoon show, my night show, my overnight show, they're all recorded remotely or done remotely. And the rest of the stations are all the same. Uh, the morning shows are probably in the building. Some are, some aren't. On our sports station, the fan, there's someone in the studio for every shift. But in many cases, it's just the producer and the hosts are at home. And what we've found through uh, research by Nielsen that the radio listening is back to 98% of what it was in March uh, before all the restrictions and the COVID hit. Now, mind you, the listening patterns are way different. I may have talked about this last time. Mm -hmm. uh, in the quote, normal world, most radio listening happens in the 7 a.m. hour, Monday through Friday. Well, since April, most radio listening happens in the noon hour, Monday through Friday, because people are not getting up early, they're not getting in their cars and driving to an office and listening all day at work. They're probably working from home and maybe they have the TV on, maybe they have their smart speaker on and are listening to the radio, but the listening patterns are just so different and for such shorter periods of time. So even though we've got 98% of the people back using the radio on a daily basis, or actually a weekly basis, um, the listening patterns are so completely different that we still don't know what we're talking about or what we're doing. We just keep plowing forward. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting because, you know, in my day job, I am reporting to the office every day. And, mm -hmm. and you know, to me, traffic, at least in this area, looks like it's about 80% back sure. to what it was. Uh, would you get that same sense there in Dallas? Probably a little less. But, it, it, again, it depends on the time. For example, this morning I went into work at 5.15 a.m., and I got there in record time <laughs> and I took the interstate. But then I said to myself, look, it's 5.15 a.m. It's Christmas week during a pandemic. So there weren't going to be that many vehicles on the road. But when I go in at 7.30, traffic is picking up. You know, normally it, take, it would have taken me 50 minutes at that time to get to work. And now it's about 45. So we're catching up. And uh, I hope it, you know, business, it's helping business, it's helping small business and restaurants and, you know, construction people and essential workers. Um, hopefully it will help as long as everyone remains safe. Yeah, no question. And of course, uh, you, you alluded to, to it earlier in the show, too. You know, it's a busy week there you know, uh, with the uh, Cowboys playing their final home game. Yep. They got the Cotton Bowl and now the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I know. I, I went to the Cotton Bowl last year. It was a great experience. Um, my best friend and his wife are Penn State alums, so they got the tickets. We were on the 50-yard line. Mind you, we were in the upper, upper deck, but it was fine. Had a great experience there. I had never been to a bowl game before. Uh, and that's despite the time living in Orlando where I had two bowl games to choose from every year. Uh, 
And it was just a great experience. And now there are going to be two bowl games here with very few people in the stands, which is sad. But you know what? That's okay. Let's play those games. Let's move on. And hopefully it's all better next year. Yeah, at least it's a big enough stadium to get the to get at least a what you would call a sizable crowd compared to other venues. <laughs> yeah, I mean the place holds eighty five thousand before they add seats. So whatever the percentage capacity is, I would imagine there were twenty thousand maybe for the Cowboys game, uh, maybe a little less than that. They were loud, um, and it's better than nothing, especially as far as team motivation goes. You know, I've heard some teams around the NFL saying they're having trouble getting up for the games because they're not they, they don't have the crowd there firing them up. I believe it. But I also believe if you're a professional, you should be out there and fired up anyhow. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I and I and, you know, uh, uh, Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg made reference to the fact that, you know, uh, visiting fans at, at the Cowboys games, uh, you know, there's usually a, a good contingent of visiting fans from the opposition showing up, but the, it seems to be a bigger number this year. Yeah, I know. I don't know if it's that the, well, the team has been playing poorly up until recently, and perhaps people are staying away because of that, or they're selling their tickets to people from out of state, which has always been a big thing here. Also, you know what, there's 85,000 seats to fill. Um, you know, when the Cowboys are playing really well, they have no trouble with that. But I know it's America's team. I know it's the most valuable sports franchise in the world. They There are great fans, but there are also bandwagon fans, too. <laughs> and when the team is not doing well, the bandwagon fans don't have a problem selling their tickets to fans from the other teams. And that has been going on here for quite some time. Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned bandwagon fans because my wife was telling me you know, she because I you know we make our plans on Sundays around the Cowboys game. She goes, "Why are you still watching?" And and, and even if they weren't in the playoff hunt, I say, "Honey, we get sixteen of these a year." <laughs> yeah, well, and you're a real fan. Yeah, it's like it's just, I'm going to watch no matter what because the supply is limited, and I'm going to enjoy every last second of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I I get people that ask me if I haven't changed my allegiances uh, from the Steelers to the Cowboys since I've been here for 25 years, and I say uh, no. Uh, I, I was born and raised as a Steelers fan, and that will never change. And so, you know, I'm, I'm fine with the Cowboys winning, but if the two of them are playing, I'm rooting for the team I grew up with. And uh, that's the way it should be. Yes. And, uh, you know, Cowboys winning is good for your business. So that's absolutely do that. <laughs> we root for that. I will tell you this. I uh, pre-recorded my show for tomorrow, uh, filling in this week. And once an hour, I mentioned that the Cowboys' last home game is Sunday with a 325 kickoff against the Eagles, and you can hear it on 105.3 The Fan, and I do that every hour when I'm on the air because I know how big a deal that is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then Jay is picking our TV theme to close things out this week, and we will get to that right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. Weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here. Virus or no virus.
right. This week's TV theme, the choice of one Jay Cresswell, the theme from Barney Miller. You know, um, last time we did this, I had, I thought very quickly and picked out, you know, a theme immediately is criminal minds. Uh, I knew you were going to ask me this question, so I thought about it, and I will tell you this. Sitting at home with nothing on TV, and I do not have Netflix, and I, I have Amazon Prime, but I basically still watch the TV, you know, and maybe something I've recorded. And I was flipping through the TV the other night, and it was raining, and I have direct TV, so I lost my feed. So I turned on the antenna on the TV, and the local stations have, you know, sub-channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like radio has HD channels, so do TV stations. And one of the, I think it's Me TV, was playing Barney Miller. Oh, and man. <laughs> Barney Miller was one of my favorite shows. I guess it debuted in 75 or 76. 75. Maybe 75, yep. yep. And uh, Hal Linden's real name is Bernie Lipschitz. <laughs> and, and the, the, you know, I would go, there's Ron Glass and there's Steve Landisberg and there's Gregory Sierra and there's Jack Sue. And it all came back to me. And, you know, they did the little tease at the beginning and then they rolled the theme song. And it just gave me chills. I mean, it took me back to 16 years old, you know, watching. I don't even know what I think Barney Miller was on. I know it was on ABC. I think it was on Thursday nights. And just the baseline at the beginning of the song, it put me in a place and reminded me how great that TV show was and how great the writing was. So that's why I chose Barney Miller. Yeah. So I got two thoughts on this. First question, is Abe the Goat still alive? No. Okay. Um, that was, that was alive for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. And we all remember the spinoff, Fish. That's right. That's which right. I think lasted a season, but Abe Vigoda passed about a year ago or so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was always, a, that was always a, because I didn't that spawn from like the MTV show that, that had the game show. Yes. The, the question was dead or alive. Yes. And, and he came up. and that was, <laughs> Everybody thought he was dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other thought that comes out to me with this, um, 1975, this debuts, right? This is the most diverse cast. Oh, yeah. In television history, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. Jack Sue, Gregory Sierra, Ron Glass. I mean, just unbelievable. And they were all grade A actors, too. Yes. And just, and, but, and here's the other thing. Jack Sue passed away uh, during the run of Barney Miller. He had cancer. But Ron Glass went on to other things. Gregory Sierra's been in everything. Uh, just unbelievable acting. And you're right. 1975, with that kind of diversity, pretty amazing. Yes. And uh, Hal Linden, big on Broadway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tons of guest appearances and all that. Uh, Yep. Yeah, it uh, was definitely a a, a topic. Steve Landisberg was great comedian. I know. (laughs) So dry. Loved his humor. Uh, Max, what's his name? Max Gale. Max Gale, yeah. He was good. Saw him guest star in Criminal Minds a few weeks, or on uh, NCIS a few weeks ago. Really good actor. Just, uh, Just amazing ensemble cast. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, thanks for making that selection. That was a that was a definitely a, an all timer for sure. It is. Uh, all right, Jay Cresswell, one of my stable sports guys. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Hey, that's uh, the last show I'm going to do here in 2020, and uh, we look forward to turning the page for a new year, and hopefully, bigger, brighter things ahead on the horizon. Getting closer to getting back to normal, and. Uh, As always, we wish you and yours a very, very happy holidays 
and uh, happy new year. And uh, we definitely look forward to uh, having you back. And again, uh, if you're not subscribing to the podcast, just has started uh, catching us uh, on a whim or for the first time, we're available wherever you find your podcast. And we're now available on Pandora. So that's uh, good news from the podcast distribution front. And with that, we are done here. for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs.